0: You're listening to an audio message from Palm Vista Community Church. If you would like to check out more resources, please visit palmvista.org. Well, welcome to Palm Vista Community Church. As we continue our series in the book of Isaiah, the series is entitled Living in the Shadow of Our Great King. And today's message is entitled, When Fear Knocks at Your Door, When Fear Knocks. Knocks at your door. Now remember, this text is being written to Israel around 586 BC when they have found themselves in exile in Babylon. God has evicted them from the promised land because of their sin, and they are now in bondage, in exile in Babylon, modern day Iraq, where it's dry, where it's dusty, where it's a desert world. And fear is knocking at the door of their hearts. Here's the biggest fear from last week. God, I know I sinned, but have you forgotten me? But in addition to that, they had the fear of these awful gods of the Babylonians. They had the fear of the Babylonian empire. Think of the strongest nation on earth. Today, arguably, that's the United States. Now make it a pagan nation that's cruel. And they were living in that nation. It was like a huge mountain in front of them. They are slaves in a foreign land speaking, having a foreign language spoken around them. And has God forgotten me? Has God forgotten me? And last week, what did God speak to them in Isaiah 40? Starting in Isaiah 40 all the way through to Isaiah 55, these are words of comfort to God's people who, who are in fear, who are being oppressed, who are discouraged. And so through these next 15 chapters of Isaiah, these words of comfort come down to one thing, Isaiah 40. God says to his people what? I will never forget you. No matter what you feel like right now, I will never forget you. In fact, I have come to die for you. Jesus Christ is that shepherd who became the lamb of God and died for us. I'm the creator over all the earth. I am well able to care for you. I will never forget you. And I will strengthen those who wait on me. And remember we talked about last week, the three things as we wait upon the Lord that we need to do. The three things that make us weary. And when we do the opposite, it means that we're waiting on the Lord. Remember the first one, instead of informing God how he should run his universe and our lives, we rest in God. You get weary trying to run the universe. And God is saying, don't do it. I'm running it. Rest in me. Number two, instead of fearing the gods of the Babylonians, fearing these powerful nations for us, fearing the world around us, trust in me. Trust in me, for I rule them. I raise up rulers, and I bring them down. I raise up nations, and I bring them down. Trust me, don't fear. And finally, instead of forgetting that God is creator, Remember, remember that the creator is well able to care for his creation right down to you and your personal life. This morning in chapter 41, he's going to go down a little deeper into the second one, the fear one. Because in chapter 41, God speaks to Israel then and to us today. He speaks words of faith when fear Comes knocking at our door, the door of our hearts. Now listen, for some of you, it's a very faint knock. Yeah, you know, some people knock on your door and like, you know, like an hour later, you realize, I think someone's knocking on my door, you know, like really nice people, you know, like you, Emily, you know, very gentle, just like, I don't want to disturb them. But for some of you, that's, that's fear. Every once in a while. On your heart. I mean, it could be something like a little worry or anxiety because you got a little, a little relational mess up in your life. It could be a, a minor decision that right now you're thinking about. Do I have the pollo baca frita for lunch or the regular baca frita? Thanks. You're welcome. I know I'm hungry. I, I, I woke up hungry this morning. Desi's gone, guys. She's in Louisville. She didn't leave me, but Desi's gone. She's in Louisville. (laughs) That's quite a revelation. (laughs) Holy smokes. And uh, so we're just not eating well in the Pinot household. If you see Joe and me and Stephanie, we're a little, you know, emaciated. It's because we're, I had like, dinner was a, a, a piece of toast with peanut butter and I cut up some bananas on it. That was dinner. I know, feel sorry for me, right? I could probably use a few, a few, uh, Less meals. So it's a light knocking. Uh, it, it could be, hey, gee, I wonder what traffic's gonna be like tomorrow because spring break's over. All right, light knocking, right? For others of you, though, this morning, it's a little stronger persistent knock. It's, it's, it's a knocking of the fear at your heart about your career or educational goals. uh. The relational situation, no, it's, it's a little more serious than you thought. It's not just a little disagreement. There, there's perhaps even some estrangement here. If you're a parent, you're wondering about strategies with your perhaps wayward child. Maybe it's a situation with your roommate. Maybe it's a situation at work. Maybe you're being made fun of at work. You're being rejected at work. You're being unfairly treated at work. And, 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 or maybe it's physical f- fear, fear of physical harm to your body. And for some of you, it is is a loud, it's the way some of you knock at doors, right? It is a loud, crazy, incessant, maniacal banging at the door of your heart in fear, deep fears. Forget about relational problems. We're talking a deep-seated fracture, a brokenness of relationships, a bad health diagnosis, that growth on your leg or on your scalp, that pain in your side, that financial ruin. Forget about that the stock market's down. I'm not going to make it. Failure. Bone crushing, soul sapping failure. I am a loser and I have failed again the general sense of hopelessness and foreboding over what the future holds. That's the fear that was attacking Israel. This word is written to people with that kind of fear. When everything you have is gone, and you're in another country, and you don't understand the language, and there's no hope. And God comes in, in Isaiah 41, 1 to 20, and he brings us a word of faith, a word of hope. When fear comes knocking, he says, This word will fill your mouth. This word will fill your heart. I won't forget you. You are not alone. Here's my prayer, church. I pray that you hear God's voice right now over the light knocking, the persistent louder knocking, or the crazy banging on the door of your heart. That God's voice would speak louder than that fear that's that's tempting you right now. So let's read it. Isaiah 41, verses 1 to 20. You read silently as I read out loud. Listen to me in silence, O coastlands. Let the peoples renew their strength. Let them approach. Then let them speak. Let us together draw near for judgment. Who stirred up one from the east whom victory meets at every step? He gives up nations before him so that he tramples kings underfoot. He makes them like dust with his sword, like driven stubble with his bow. He pursues them and passes on safely by paths his feet have not trod. Who has performed and done this? Calling the generations from the beginning, I, the Lord, the first and with the last, I am he. The coastlands have seen and are afraid. The ends of the earth tremble. They have drawn near and come. Everyone helps his neighbor and says to his brother, Be strong, the craftsman strengthens the goldsmith. And he who smooths with the hammer, him with who strikes the anvil, saying of the soldering, It is good. And they strengthen it with nails so that it cannot be moved. But you, Israel, my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, the offspring of Abraham, my friend. You, whom I took from the ends of the earth and called from its farthest corners, saying to you, you are my servant. I have chosen you and not cast you off. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Behold, all who are incensed against you shall be put to shame and confounded. Those who strive against you shall be as nothing and shall perish. You shall seek those who contend with you, but you shall not find them. Those who war against you shall be as nothing at all. For I, the Lord your God, hold your right hand. It is I who say to you, fear not. I am the one who helps you. Fear not, you worm, Jacob, you men of Israel. I am the one who helps you, declares the Lord. Your Redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. Behold, I make of you a threshing sledge, new, sharp, and having teeth. You shall thresh the mountains and crush them, and you shall make the hills like chaff. You shall winnow them and... The wind shall carry them away, and the tempest shall scatter them. And you shall rejoice in the Lord, in the Holy One of Israel. You shall glory. When the poor and needy seek water, and there is none, and their tongue is parched with thirst, I, the Lord, will answer them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. I will open rivers on the bare heights and fountains in the midst of the valleys. I will make the wilderness a pool of water and the dry land springs of water. I will put in the wilderness the cedar and the achaia, the myrtle and the olive. I will set in the desert the cypress, the plain and the pine together that they may see and know, may consider and understand together that the hand of the Lord has done this, the Holy One of Israel has created it. When I was a little boy, I really struggled with fear, particularly at night. Now, I don't know if it was an overactive imagination. I don't know if it was the craziness around me in Miami. I don't know if it was the enemy of my soul attacking me. I suspect it was a little bit of all of the above, right? But I mean, it was like I was terrorized. And I remember my mom, sweet Teresa, she passed away last year, um, would come and kneel down and pray with me. And she would hold my little hand. And she would always say this Albertico, que sueñes con los angelitos. Albertico, may you dream with the angels. And her sweet voice, if you knew my mom, she's a very gentle woman, a very graceful woman. Cheryl, you remind me of her. She's like you in that sense, just a, a kind, gracious woman. But that little hand of hers and that little voice of hers would bring me comfort. Would bring me comfort. I knew I wasn't alone. Mommy was there. In a far greater way this morning, church, because he is far greater The God who rules the nations, the God who controls world events, the God who raises up one nation and lets it conquer and then brings it down, that God holds our hands. And he says to us, I will never forsake you. I will help you. Speak my words when fear comes knocking at your heart. The Lord is with you. Do not fear. That is the main point of this text on the screen. The Lord is with you. Do not fear. You see, the Lord is with his people. He's continuing that theme from verse chapter 40. And what he does is he speaks to his people. He speaks to his people in bondage, in exile in Babylon, by inviting them into his courtroom. In verses 1 to 7, if you read 1 to 7 or when I was reading 1 to 7, you probably are scratching your head thinking, what's going on here? It's a bit poetic. Well, what this is, is God is saying to Israel, come into my courtroom and I'm going to hold court now. I'm going to bring the nations in. Those are verses 1 to 4, I'm going to bring the nations in and basically I'm going to say to them, nations, I want to give you the same blessing that I offered my people in chapter 40. If you will wait upon me, if you will understand that I'm the one that raises up and puts down, that I'm the one that determines world events, if you acknowledge that and if you believe in me, you will be blessed. That's verses 1 to 4. Verses 5 to 7. You know what the nations... By the way, it says coastlands. You can translate that nations. You know what the nations say? No, thank you, God. I've got my own gods. Verses 6 and 7, where it talks about everyone helps his neighbor and says to his brother, be strong. They're saying, be strong in your idolatry. Verse 7, the craftsman strengthens the goldsmith, and he who smooths with the hammer, him who strikes the anvil. This is them building idols. Saying of the soldiering, it is good, and they are strengthened it with nails so that it cannot be moved. What, what the nations are saying is, no, thank you, God. We really don't believe you. We're going to run to our idols. And, and God, two things here we need to see. God's heart is to bless the nations. We see that already in Isaiah 41. Jesus is going to say that when he comes. And and the great commission is go to the ends of the earth. But it's always been God's heart to bless the nations through his people, through that one person from his people, Jesus Christ. We see that here. But really the purpose of verses one to seven is to encourage Israel to trust God because he is sovereign over all, over all of world history, over everything that is. And so I just wanna appeal to you, dear unbeliever, if you are here this morning and I don't know everybody that's here. And, and, and you think that your idols, now today we don't build the idols like they did back then, but today we build stock market portfolios. But I just happened to look at mine yesterday because I was doing my taxes and it was like, ouch, I bought when the market was exploding. And ugh. good thing is I don't have to report any income, right? No 1099s for my taxes. <laughs> but, but your idol may be your education. Your idol may be your good looks or your charm, or your skill at your work, or whatever it is. And you say, no, thank you, God. I've got it. I'll be secure in me. Sure, I'm not going to fear, but not because you're with me, but because I'm with me. And I'm all I need. Just look at me. (laughs) I think you know this, but if that's how you're living your life, you're probably going to bump into some real difficult times at some point because at some point you aren't going to be enough. And if you're an unbeliever, I would just say this. Jesus Christ is speaking to you right now. You're in that courtroom, and he's saying, I'm ruler of all. The ruler of all, the creator of all, who raises up armies and puts them down, became a baby, lived a perfect life, died naked on a cross for your sin, rose from the dead. He is Lord of all and never stopped being that. Do away with your idols, man. Agree with God. Repent and believe. Christian, verses one to seven speak to us that God rules over all, that God controls every world event for his glory and our good. And so he is saying to us in these verses, I'm with you. Know who I am. I'm sovereign over all. Remember chapter 40, verses one to seven of chapter 41. Trust me. I'm with you, do not fear. And then what he does, in verses 8 to 20, he gives us three pictures to help us not fear. Last week, we had three points to help us wait upon the Lord. Stop telling God what to do and rest in how he does things. Stop fearing the nations and trust in the Lord. Stop forgetting that God is your creator and remember that as creator, he can, he can keep his creation. This week, he gives us three pictures to help us trust him. He gives these three pictures to his people who are often in exile, who are suffering, who are, who are given to fear. Think of it, so to speak, his people like me as a little boy in bed, fearful, and he comes and he holds our hands, only he's far greater than my mom, and he's far greater than anybody. And he says, I hold your hand, and he speaks to us these things. Point one. Do not fear, I am with you, because you're my servants. God's servants. Look at verse 8. In verse 8, we see an amazing thing. But you, notice the but there in verse 8. So he's saying, don't be like the nations that run to your idols. But Israel, trust me, don't fear, because, here we go, verse 8. But you, Israel, my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, the offspring of Abraham, my friend, you whom I took from the ends of the earth and called from its furthest corners, saying to you, you are my servant. I have chosen you and not cast you off. Verse 10, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. What he's saying here is, I'm with you. You know how I know that? God is saying, I chose you. I adopted you. Anybody ever adopted someone, you know this. The adopted child, the adopted baby can do nothing to affect their adoption. Someone has to have mercy on them, fly wherever they're gonna fly, and out of their own pockets and their own grace, adopt that child. God said, I adopted you. I adopted you. And then he says, my friend. Do you understand that if you're a Christian, you are God's friend and you don't deserve to be? Do you understand that Jesus died for you, Christian, when you were his enemy? Do you understand that God said, I I choose you and I adopt you? And Listen, it's one thing to adopt someone, right? <laughs> but he says, no, but you're my friend. That's a whole other level. That's what Jesus did. God said, I will never forsake you because you're mine. You're my servants. You're my servants. You're my servants. I I, I love verse 10, arguably the main verse of the whole passage. The Lord is with you. Do not fear. But notice what else he says in verse 10. Be not dismayed. What does that mean? All right, here it is. Here's what dismayed is. Dismayed is when you see something coming at you or, or a situation in life and you're afraid. You can't deal with it. It's going to overtake you. This is dismayed. It's this panic looking around for safety. And God says At that moment, listen, and the fear is real, and I'm sorry if if you're struggling with it. I really am, okay? But at that moment, you're tempted to panicly, in a panicked way, go build an idol somewhere. In a panicked way, look for something, for safety. And God is saying, don't panic. Don't be dismayed. Lock eyes on me. I'm your daddy. I chose you. I died on the cross to make you my friend. You're not just an acquaintance. You're my friend. Trust me. Don't be afraid. It's a a beautiful truth, church. I I pray this truth sink into your heart. But it gets better, because in verses eleven and twelve, what he basically says is, and because you're my servant, and because I've made you my friend, and because I've adopted you, and because I've chosen you, I'm going to defeat your enemies. Look at verse eleven. Behold, all who are who are incensed against you shall be put to shame. And confounded. Those who strive against you shall be as nothing and shall perish. You shall seek those who contend with you, but you shall not find them. Those who war against you shall be as nothing at all. God says, I am going to defeat your enemies. Jesus on the cross defeated sin, Satan, death. Jesus is the victor. And as his friends, as his adopted ones, adopted by the Father, he defeats our enemies. He's saying to Israel, trust me. These Babylonian captors, I'm going to deal with them. You trust me. Don't build idols. Do not fear. And then look at verse 13. Verse 13 is where I got the illustration of mom holding my hand. This is an amazing verse. For I, the Lord your God, hold your right hand. Remember what he said back in verse 10? I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. My righteous right hand, God's character, you're my people, I'm good, I'm good for it. He gives us his hand, boom, a handshake. This is God's hand, this is God's character. I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. Don't doubt me, I've got you, I chose you, I adopted you, you're my friend. But then he holds our right hand. Our trembling, weak right hand. And he says to us, it is I who say to you, remember me, verses one to seven, I rule the nations, I rule world events, I'm the first, I'm the last, I never began, I never end, I've always been. I have no beginning, I have no end, and I have no rival. So don't you bow your knee to anything else. That's what he's saying. Two people in shackles, barely having enough water to drink in a desert land, Iraq with no hope, evicted from his land. Oh, this is so beautiful for us because most of us feel like that, right? We don't feel like we're in green pastures. We can feel like we're in that desert land. God takes your right hand. He says, I got you because I chose you. I adopted you. And I made you my friend when you were my enemy. All right, so that's the first picture. This first illustra- illustration tells us, don't panic, don't look around, trust the Lord. Secondly, not only are we God's servants, but we've been transformed by God. So point two, God's transformation. In verses 14 to 16, you have this humorous picture of a worm, right? Look at verse 14. <laughs> Here we go. Fear not, you worm. <laughs> I mean, it's not funny, but it is a little funny, right? And he tells you he's talking about his people. Because look what it says in, verse, in the second part of that verse. You men of Israel. What does he say to the worms? I am with you. I'm the one who helps you, declares the Lord. Your Redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. Holy, nobody like me, but look at verse uh, 15. Behold, I make you a threshing sledge. And I need to move a little quickly here. If you notice in, in, in 14 to 16, the idea is there are obstacles before Israel like mountains. And Israel is like a worm. Okay? Also, you can think of, of uh, plowing a field. Okay? So God says, You're a worm, but I'm going to transform you into a threshing sledge. What is a threshing sledge? I grew up in the city. I had no idea what a threshing sledge is. Be very careful when you say that, especially in public. It is a a foundation, a wood foundation, and underneath it are these massive wheels back then made of sharp rocks, whatever they can do. And it would, you would push these threshing sledges across the ground, and it would till the land. And they, if they were big enough, the kind God's talking about, they can remove a whole mountain. Have you ever seen these big earth movers, these big machines just turn up the thing? So basically what he's saying is, you were a little worm. How long is it going to take for the worm to get rid of the mountain? He goes in, gets one little grain of sand, right? And I've turned you into a threshing sledge. You couldn't do it yourself. I did it. And you may even look at yourself and say, I'm but a worm. Now, this is where I feel the spirit of the Lord was moving during worship. That do it again song. I mean, we are worms, right? But if we stop there, we miss it. But our God is the Holy One of Israel, and he makes us into his threshing sledges. He removes the mountains in our lives, the difficulties. He, he, he can do what we can't do. But what's amazing is he calls us in partnership to do the very things that he's going to do by his sovereign will. If he raises up whole nations, he can do things in our lives that we find impossible. All right, point three. Not only has God made us his servants by calling us, adopting us, and making his friends, not only has he transformed us, but he's provided for us. In verses 17 to 20, this third picture that God's giving his people, I'm with you, so don't fear. I've chosen you, you're my people. I've transformed you from worms to threshing sledges, i.e., my instruments. But I also provide for you. The picture in verse 17 is one of people in a parched land needing water. When the poor needy seek water, desert situation, we can understand that, and there is none, and their tongue is parched with thirst. We know that here in South Florida in the heat of the summer. I, the Lord, will answer them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. How many times is he saying this here? And what he does here, he actually makes rivers in the desert, And he causes forest, a whole forest to grow the pine and the myrtle and all that to provide them shade right in the summer in South Florida. Like there's one palm tree, you know, and everybody's standing in that shade of that one palm tree because that makes a difference. God says, I'm gonna create a whole forest of trees to give you shade, to protect you. That's a picture of the gospel. He gives you shade from sin. He gives you shade from the enemy. He gives you shade from all the destructive forces, not only inside of you, the flesh, but sin and Satan and this world. He he is your shade. The Lord is my shade, Psalm 91. I dwell in in the secret place of the Lord, in the shadow of the Almighty. This is this picture of shade, shade from your boss, shade from your whatever, shade from... I-95 tomorrow morning, I don't know, shade from, you know, serious difficulties. You understand, God is your shade, and he gives you water. So don't fear, church. We are poor and needy, but we pray. Here's the appeal. Here's the appeal. Verse 20. God's people see this, and they understand that it is by the hand of the Lord our Lord, the Holy One of Israel. He has done this. So we fearlessly wait on God. When when, when fear comes and knocks at our door, God's voice is louder. And he says to us, I've chosen you. You are my servants. I've adopted you. I've called you from the ends of the earth. I've made you my children. I've, I've made you my friends. I strengthen you. I help you. I uphold you with my righteous right hand, and I will never, ever, ever forsake you. He says, I've transformed you. Some of us are still in that process. We're still in that process. Is it the butterfly that comes out of the worm? Caterpillar, that's what it is. We'll just go with caterpillar. It's kind of a worm, right? So some of us are in that caterpillar phase. We're kind of just crawling around with however many legs they have. And, and he's transforming us, right? Or maybe the, the, the threshing sledge. You know, we're not a worm anymore, but we're not exactly fully constructed. But he's in the process of it, and he promises to do it. So don't fear. And then he provides for us when we're thirsty, when we need shade. He gives us what we need. So instead of fearing the nations, we fear God. God. Instead of fearing what others can do to us, we have faith in God who has chosen us and adopted us and befriended us and transformed us and provided for us and who said he'll never leave us. Instead of fearing that God has forsaken us, we have faith because God is holding our hand and promises to never forsake us. We answer fear with faith that the Lord has chosen adopted, and made us his friends. We believe that he holds our hands. He will never forsake us. He rules the nations and all of their false gods. So we trust him. We trust him, church. And we say, Lord, this morning, we trust you because you are with us. We do not fear. You know, I, I was thinking of this song before I, I close and introduce the new members. That that song, the do it again, the lyrics in that song. I don't know if you're like me, but when I heard one of those lyrics, it kind of gave me pause. At the end of verse one, he says, For you have never failed me yet. I'm like, Ooh, ooh. But, lest we be too sanctimonious and self righteous, you know what I think the author is doing there? He's capturing the legitimate doubts that attack us. He's not throwing shade on God. He's, he's acknowledging, I shouldn't say this, but you've never failed me yet. But, you know, all of us walk around thinking, well, is today the day God's going to fail me? The answer is no. But it's a legitimate temptation. Fear comes in. Fear is the opposite of faith. Fear comes in and says, he's going to fail you today. He's going to fail you in your marriage. He's going to fail you at work with your kids. He's going to fail you in school. He's going to fail you in relationships. See? See? And so so I love this song because it captures the struggle of the human heart. Come on, guys, this is where we live. Not where we want to live, where we really live. I want to live on Star Island. I live in Hialeah. I love Hialeah. I do. I really do. But... We got to get real with each other. I, I got to grab you and say, "Listen, Ben. Honestly, I preach that message, but there's sometimes I wonder, is it going to be this week? Well, he's going to fail me here, and you know what? I'm panicking. Right, that fight or flight deal. The, the dismiss. Where am I going to go? And we grab at a solution, and oftentimes it's an idol." God is saying, trust me, I'm with you, fear not. Let's pray. Lord, this is where we live. We are your people in the hot sun of a fallen world. We're a people that have our own hearts often betray us. We say things we wish we hadn't said. We fail to trust you and believe you. We we speak against you. When we complain. And we're just so grateful that as my mom held my hand and she would never forsake me, no matter how bad I was, and I was really bad there for a while, she always would tell me, Que con los angelitos. I love you, my son. I will always be here. You're far greater, you're far more powerful. Lord, we do fear you, so we don't fear the nations. But, Lord, what we hear is you say, you're my servant. I've chosen you. I have adopted you. You are the offspring of Abraham. You are sons and daughters of Abraham. I chose him. You are part of that group. You're part of my family. you no longer orphans. I've made you my friends. Lord, we believe. Help our unbelief. May we speak well of you to the people around us by how we trust you and live in faith and not fear. Lord, for that person who has fear banging on the door of their heart right now, would you give them hope? Because they may be thinking, I can't even get that far out. I, can't even, I can hardly hear your words because the banging on my door of my heart and my mind is so loud this morning. In Jesus' name, Father, would you still that and speak to them? The very voice that wrote, brought the dead to life, the very voice that brought forth all creation, would it bring forth faith now through your word this morning? In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to find out more resources or see how you can donate to this ministry, simply visit palmvista.org. And be sure to subscribe so you can stay up to date with upcoming teachings.